0: Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If we could focus on the Lord right now. Lord, if we could just focus on Him right now. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Let us lay aside all of our cares, our concerns. He, he told us to cast every care. Upon him in the name of Jesus. If we could lay aside all of the things that we've been thinking about today, that we've had to deal with today in this world, if we could just take a moment right now in the name of Jesus, if we could just focus on the Lord, if we could seek after him and seek after his will and his face. Oh God, you said for us to seek your face. Oh, God, and we said that your face, Lord, will we seek. Lord, we want to seek your will. Lord, we want to know your will, Lord Jesus. We want to know your unadulterated will, oh, God. Whatever that is, oh, God, for us individually and collectively, Lord Jesus, we need to know. We need to know in this day and in this hour that we're living in, O God, what is the length and breadth and height and depth of your will, Lord Jesus, for our lives, O God. Lord Jesus, we need to know, we need to know. Lord Jesus, we're desperate for you, Lord Jesus. We need to know, we desire to know. We want to know, Lord Jesus, Above all else, O oh God, we know that we must be saved, O oh God, but we have a purpose and a reason for being on this earth. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, that You would quicken to every mind in this place tonight, O oh God. Lord, as You speak through this vessel, Lord Jesus, that You would quicken, Lord, to every heart, every soul, and every mind, O oh God. Oh, Jesus, Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, uh, we don't even know oh God ourselves like we think we do, Lord. But You know all that there is to know about each one of us, O oh God. You know what's down in our secret places, O oh God. Lord, reveal Yourself in this place tonight. Show Yourself to be mighty, Lord Jesus. Lord, we honor You. And we worship You. And we praise You. We give You all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your your blessing, O God, of life, of health, and of breath in our bodies today. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your salvation, Lord. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the beating that you took, O God, on that cross. And on that day, Lord Jesus, all that you went through for our sakes. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Whatever it is that you're asking of us, God, hallelujah, it's the very least that we could do, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Uh, oh, God, that we would give you the fruit of our lips, uh, giving praise to your name, oh, God, from the depths of our hearts. Uh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, from the depth of our hearts, oh, God. Uh, Lord, when we look back at this life, uh, when we think of all the things, oh, God, and all the ways that you have been there. Uh, Lord, when we didn't know how we were going to make it through, Lord, you were there, Lord, and you're there right now, Lord Jesus. Uh, Taking us through every situation, uh, every circumstance, oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. love how the Lord works sometimes. His ways, the Bible says, are past finding out. He'll let us go go through a trial, a test, a sickness. We don't understand why, and we, we might question God, why am I going through this? But we find out later, when we meet somebody else that's going through that, and we've done been through that, and the Lord's brought us through it and healed us, we find out that He... Took us through that for a reason for that individual. So that we have a testimony so that we can say, Hey, I went through that and this is what the Lord did for me and He'll do it for you. But he'll he'll prepare us just like He did Joseph. He'll prepare us for things that we don't even know what we're being prepared for. We don't we can't see the big picture why we're going through all this stuff. Why am I going through all this? Lord. Amen. Lord, don't get me out of the storm if I need to be here. Leave me there. <laughs> leave me in the storm. Oh, they, w- they went to Jesus and said, Oh, we're going to perish. Lord, why are you taking a nap? And he was teaching them something. They just didn't understand. Hey, Amen. I don't want to miss the opportunity to learn something that I don't know already. To grow in God. I'm not done growing. I don't know about you, but I am not satisfied with where I'm at in God today. I don't ever want to ever even think that. That I ah, okay, I've arrived. I'm satisfied. Hallelujah. I want to grow in God. I don't want to look back a year from now, at Sister Bell, and say, I'm right where I was last year. Oh Lord help us. Oh, I might weigh the same as last year, but I don't want to be the same. (laughs) I might have a few more gray hairs than last year, but I don't want to be the same in here. I want God to do something in my life. There's some stuff that he still needs to get out of my life. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with you yet. There's some stuff he needs to get out of here so he can put some other good stuff in here some revelation, some wisdom, some knowledge, some understanding of some things that we didn't understand before. But let's not ever get satisfied. Don't settle, as one man said. Don't settle for where you're at. Right? It's beautiful down in that valley with that little stream going through there, when, but when you're in a combat zone, that's a wrong place to be. Because the enemy could come down at you from both sides. So we can't get to sitting on our laurels and thinking, we, we got this. We're going to just coast until Jesus comes. And there's nobody coasting. <laughs> Hallelujah. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight. That was free. Hallelujah. Praise God. To the book of Romans, chapter 11, we're going to go from 11, through 33 through 12, 3. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through, verse, through chapter 12, verse 3. I'll give you all a chance to get there. It's up on the screen, but if you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'll give you a minute to get there. We're not in a hurry, are we? Nobody's watching their clock to make sure we get out of here on time, are they? Amen. What if the Lord decides to move? I want to get out of the Lord's way and let Him move. Amen. I don't worry. I ain't gonna worry about the clock. The Lord knows I gotta work tomorrow. He knows I need some sleep. He'll take care of that. anybody ever anybody ever gotten supernatural rest when you didn't get very much sleep but you felt more rested? from the Lord giving you rest, than you did from eight hours of sleep. That's an awesome place to be. Amen. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto him again who has who's been able to say God you only one right for of him for of him and through him and to him are some things a few things many things all things That's revelation, Brother Richard. All means all. Everything. That's everything. Does that disclude anything? That's everything. To whom be glory forever. Amen. All the glory goes to Him. Verse 1 of chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Every human Person, Not just every male, but every human person, the measure of faith. And we're going to talk tonight about being a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice. And so, for a little context, when you see that word, therefore, as I heard one preacher say, there's a reason it's Therefore. So actually, in that scripture, you could take that word, therefore, and place it at the front of that sentence. And you could say, therefore, comma, I beseech you, you, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's just how the translators put it in there. What does therefore mean? Well, basically, he's saying, now then, based on what I have written previously, I'm going to tell you this. So when you see the word therefore, there's there's a reason that it's there. He's 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 he just said something before this, and he's he's he made a point, and now he's telling the Roman Church, this is what you got to do. So what what led up to this? Well, I'm going to talk about it. So I, I'm guessing that the Roman the Roman Gentiles were, for whatever reason, concerned about the Jews and. Because the Jews, you know, Paul just pretty much told the, the, the Jews, I'm going to just go to the Gentiles. Y'all don't want to hear this? Isn't that, that kind of the way we have to approach it sometimes? Somebody just doesn't want to hear it. You, just, you don't beat them over the head. You just walk away. You've given them some scriptures. You've, you've, you've planted some seed in their life. They don't want it. Just, just let them go. You don't know down the road. We had a guy, an officer in the Air Force, It was taught by Terry Plummer, a Bible study. When Terry Plummer was just an airman, he was just an aimer in Okinawa, and he taught this officer a Bible study. Well, the guy had to leave like three months later. He was rotating out back to the States. So he taught him that Bible study and never saw any fruit of that. Oh, well, (laughs) The the Air Force rotated him out. He's in God's hands now. Well, what Brother Plummer didn't know was that what he did put in that man through those Bible, I don't even know who the guy is, but I, I know the story. And so, like a year later, that guy comes back to Okinawa. His his unit sent him back there for something, and he he searches out Brother Plummer, and he come he finds him, and he's so excited, and he's like, man, I am so glad you taught me that Bible study. Because I went back to the States, and the first thing I did, I, that stuff was just in me, man. I, I went went to the phone book, and I found me a UPCI church, and I went there, and I was faithful. And God really did a work in my life. And he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and, and all this happened to me, and here I am. And he was so excited to tell Brother Plummer, your efforts weren't in vain. So you don't know how God's working it. Just because it don't work out the way you think it should, (laughs) we already read. Oh, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And so Paul, when he wrote these letters, most of the time, where was he when he wrote these letters? In prison. That's where the Lord had to take him, I think, to sit him down and slow him down long enough so he'd write these letters. And so how did he know what to write? Did he just think some stuff up? Was he just in a bad mood and he just was going to rail on the church? No. The Holy Ghost was quickening to him exactly what to write. Because what we call what Paul wrote, what? The Word of God. So it was God's words that Paul was writing down. That happens to people all the time. They write songs. They write books. And they feel under the unction of the Holy Ghost, God just starts feeding them stuff. And they just start writing until they feel that unction lift. And then they stop. Has anybody ever experienced that? That's an awesome place. I've experienced that. It's like somebody shutting off a faucet. It just stops. And then you just stop writing until he tells you to write again. And that's what Paul did. And so Paul was addressing some things, because you know it was it was slower than snail mail. You know he wrote a letter and it had to be transcribed and it had to be carried with a man, by a man, and it had to be taken to the church and somebody had to read it because everybody in the church wasn't they they weren't they couldn't read. So somebody had to read it to the whole congregation at that house at that house at that house at that house. They had to go from house to house to house because the churches were in houses, right? And then when when they were done in Rome, then that letter got taken to Galatia or Ephesus or wherever. Because they all got to hear that letter eventually. It wasn't just for the Romans. Good thing, right? (laughs) It's for us. Hallelujah. And so the the Roman Gentiles must have been concerned, I guess, about the Jews. So Paul was addressing that. And in verse 13, I don't have this scripture back there, but that's okay. In verse 13 of Romans 11 it says for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles I magnify my office if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are of my flesh who are they the Jews because Paul was a Jew and might save some of them Paul wasn't just writing them off he was he wasn't giving up on them he was doing everything he could for if the casting away of them Be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, and the lump is also holy, and and if the root be holy, and so are the branches. If some of the branches, some of the Jews, be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches... But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root bear thee. We don't tell the root what to do. The branch doesn't tell the root how to grow. The branch, it's just hanging there. You're just a branch, period. You can't live without the root. You can't live without the trunk. You're connect. You're. you're it's a vine. John fifteen and five. I am the. What did God say? I'm the vine. You're the branches. You, if somebody takes a branch off of a tree, what happens to it? It dies. It can be grafted back on. But if it's not, it's going to die. You can lay it next to the tree and it won't live. You can be close to the tree and it won't live. You've got to be connected. Connected. And this is what Paul was trying to tell him. He goes on to say, Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Oh, hallelujah. Well, some of the Jews just didn't didn't want it, so here we are. We got grafted in, didn't we? Shout, church. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. Talking about the Jews. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Don't get all, all lifted up in yourself. Just because you got grafted in and the Jews are gone. Be not high-minded, but fear. Why? For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Oh, you mean we can be removed just like the Jews were? Oh, my goodness. That's some revelation right there. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. God's got some goodness, but God's also got some severity. We talked last Sunday about God's severity when he sent Jesus to talk to those disciples and he he ripped them up one side and down the other for being hiding in a in a building. Do we need to pray for Sister Parker? Okay. On them which fell, severity. Why did why were the branches taken away from the vine? Because of unbelief. God said, I'm not leaving you connected. Go on your own merry way. But toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, not your own. Otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Whoa. Don't be high-minded. Don't be lifted up. Just like the Jews were cut off, you can be cut off. They can be grafted back in. He goes on to say, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, if they don't stay in their unbelief, the Jews, they shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. There's lots of Messianic Jews all over this world right now that are oneness, apostolic, Jesus' name, believers. Because they've had their eyes opened by the Holy Ghost to understand who Jesus really is and was. Hallelujah. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature, and wert grafted in grafted contrary to nature into the good olive tree, how much more shall these which be of the natural branches be grafted in into their own olive tree? Then he goes on and continues to talk about this, and so then he gets down to Romans twelve one and two, and he says Therefore because of all of this, don't don't find yourself being so concerned about everybody else. About what that person over there is doing and what that guy over there is doing and what kind of a believer he is. Be concerned about where you are. Paul was a Jew, right? He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So if there was a Basically, he's telling them here that we, he's telling us that we need to be a willing sacrifice. He's telling them. He's telling the church. He's telling us a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So the sacrifices that came to the altar when they were in the Old Testament, when they had to push their sins back for another year, were those willing Sacrifices? They were living. Were they willing? No. They didn't have a say, did they? That lamb or that bird or whatever it was did not have a say. And what was that lamb supposed to be? Holy and without blemish. Acceptable unto God. They had to keep it in a separate pen. They had to keep it separated. And what holiness is, is separation. They had to keep it separated. They didn't want any marks or any kind of of blemish or anything on that lamb because it had to be perfect in order for their sins to be pushed back for another year. But where we are in this book is we've moved past that. How unsearchable are His judgments? In his ways past finding out. It is not possible for mankind to know the steps of the Lord ahead of time. Has he ever told anybody in here ahead of time what he's about to do? Not me. He usually just says, go. I'll tell you about it when you get there. Didn't he do that to Abraham? Just go. Where am I going? I don't know. Just walk in that direction. I'll tell you when, when to stop. I'll tell you when you get there. We don't like that. Our flesh does not like that. We want to know. God, I got to know. What's your will? God, I want to know all the details right now before I make a decision. Well, then God might just turn around, and walk away and go find somebody else that's just will, wants to be a willing sacrifice. I'll go because you just said go. Uh, I'll, I'll find out later, God. I'll, I'll ask questions later. That's what I loved about the military. They taught you, you obey the command. You ask about it later, but when they say go, you go. And that, the beauty of that was resonated with the apostolics in the military because we understood when they say grab your gear, get on this plane and go. You don't ask where are we going, Special force. They just get on the plane. They find out after they're up in the air where they're going. And, then, and some of them, they know they're, they might not come back alive. They might come back some other way, in a box. The path that he is taking, he knows where he's going. Somebody knows that. God knows exactly where he's going. He wants us to get on his path behind him and go where he's going. How many scriptures are there throughout the Bible? Lead me in the the right paths. And, Lord, order my steps. You order my steps. Not me order my steps. But most of the time, we are ordering our own steps. We're making our own decisions and saying, Here, God, this is what my schedule looks like for today. What do you think? (laughs) What would we do if God just said, Forget all that. You're not doing any of that. Look, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta cut my grass. I gotta. Do you think he knows that? I need you to put put that lawnmower away. I need you to stop everything that you think you need to do today, and I need you to go do this. Should we do it? Is there a real good chance if we don't that we're going to miss an opportunity? That we're going to be, dare I say, disobedient? Anybody ever been whooped by God? <laughs> it's not fun. But, you know, the Scripture says, what, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine? Oh, we like doctrine. For reproof? Oh, we don't like reproof. For correction? <laughs> oh, who likes to be corrected? Who likes to be called get thee behind me, Satan? Hello? That wasn't wasn't a a pleasantry when he said that. He said, you're you're acting like the devil. And how many people in this room could be told something like that and you would be offended? Because God sent the man of God to tell you that. Get your life right. Straighten up. Act right. We would walk out the door and be offended. Some of us. I want somebody like that in my life i want that i i need that i need correction for i need instruction in righteousness i need that i haven't arrived yet it's a matter of cause and effect anybody ever heard that before cause and effect because of what was said previously this is the advice and the judgment that god is giving to them through paul to the members of the body of Christ. This is what you need to do. Don't worry about the Jews. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Present your body the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, not unto the preacher, not unto your husband or your wife or your kids or your mom or your dad, unto God. God, am I pleasing in your sight? I don't just assume that. I don't. I want to know from him that I'm blessed and highly favored, brother Wayne. I want him to tell me that. I don't want to assume anything because I could become like one of those Jews. It's just he just said, "Hey, you better be careful because if I if the Jews got cut off the vine, you can be cut off too." I don't want to challenge God. I don't want to assume anything about God. I, you know, we all when we grew up, if. if Most of us had a dad. We wanted to please our dad. I wanted to hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. I wanted to hear my dad say, that's good, son. I wanted to hear that. That positive reinforcement. I didn't like it when my dad was coming down on me, whooping me or whatever. I didn't like it. But looking back on it, I needed that. At that moment, I needed that. And I'm thankful for all of that. I don't regret any of that. It wasn't easy at the time. Somewhere in the Bible it says, No whooping is easy when you're receiving it. (laughs) But later we figure out, Oh, I needed that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'll have another. (laughs) Thank you for conditioning my mind and my body. Please feel free to do so at any time. (laughs) Right? That's right. Be careful for nothing. The Bible says, but in everything with prayer and by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds. If You don't feel like you have peace. I mean, he's talking to us right there in the book. Just go just read that out loud to yourself and then say, OK, God, I need to feel peace. Where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? Where do I need to go? And you'll know, because you'll feel a peace that passes all understanding. If you're not where you're supposed to be, you won't feel a peace. You'll feel something, frustration or something. You'll feel you won't feel a peace about where you're at, and you'll say, Man, I gotta go find my peace somewhere. We need to be concerned about being a living and a willing sacrifice. Romans six twelve through 14 says, Let not sin therefore. There's that therefore again? I'm not going to get into the, what he said before, the context of it, but there's context. When you read something like this, you have to go back before it and say, Well, what, why, is it, why is it there? Why, why is he saying this to the church? There must be a reason the Holy Ghost is saying this. The Holy Ghost doesn't just talk to just talk. He's trying to to get us to see something or accomplish something in us, right? Let not sin therefore reign or have predominance in your mortal body that you should obey it in the luster of. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. This uh, I have this one New Testament translation. It's called Weist Expanded Translation of the New Testament. Romans six twelve. it says it this way. Stop, therefore, allowing the sinful nature to re to reign as king in your mortal body with a view of obeying it the body in its passionate cravings. Do we have are we passionate about things? We have we have, are we passionate about stuff in our life? If if you're a cyclist, you're passionate about that. You love going on that bike and riding and you can ride for hours in a day if you're just passionate about that thing. Or a runner or some Some other thing that we do in our life. We all understand that that feeling, that passion that we have for that thing. studying the Bible, whatever it is. People in the world have passions about all kinds of things. It's because it's built into us to have that. We have this nature, this sin nature that came from Adam. It's been passed down through time. We still have it right now. Yes, we do with the Holy Ghost. But what is Paul saying here? Don't let it have predominance. Yield your members. That same word yield in Romans 6:12 through 14. When we read in Romans 12, one where it says present your bodies it's the same Greek word as yield same Greek word. What does it mean to present your body? To yield Paul says neither yield ye your members, your, that's your, your members are your inner self, the seed of your desires and passions. Don't yield that as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield it. Yield yourselves unto God. That word yield, it talks about going over and standing next to. How about standing behind? It's like the kid that that's be, getting beat up by the bullies all the time, and there's a kid in, that takes his side, and he goes over and stands by that bigger kid who's bigger than the bully and says, now, what are you going to do? Right? I, I got my friend. My one son, when he was in high school, he he was a manager on the football team. And some guys in the class, in the school, were giving him a hard time, like first first couple weeks of school. John. And he's standing in his locker one day, and these guys are giving him a hard time. And one of the football players walked up and said, is there a problem here? Because he's the manager. He gets in their uniforms. He does everything for the guys on the football team. They, they depend on him. He walked up and said, is there anything, anything I need to help you with there, John? Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. And from that point on, he never had a problem. Because <laughs> not only he had that one guy, he had everybody on the football team. You know, it's like, God's good. I didn't have to deal with that. God sent some people to deal with that, so He would have at least a decent time in in high school. We all go through that stuff. But but when we yield ourselves to God, are are we are we are we leaving our hand on the wheel at all? If we're yielded completely, yielded. To God, present yourself before God. Here I am, God. Take all of me. Willie Nelson wrote a song many years ago. And this song is all of me. Why not take all of me? You took the part that once was my heart, but why not take all of me? Now, I know that's a reference to a worldly song, but it, it speaks volumes to me. I don't want God to just have part of me. I don't want him to have just a part of my heart and I get to keep the rest. If if you had a, an argument or a discussion with God and said, "Hey God, how about this? I'll give you 75% of my time, my my everything, my everything, and you just let me have 25%." How's that? What do you think he'd say if you were if he was serious? If you were serious, would he say no? He'd say no. He wants all of you. How much of Paul's life did he give up after he had that experience? Everything. I count not my life dear unto myself is what he said. I count all these things that I thought were important as dung, he said in one place. So when God's asking us to yield... He wants everything. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, your inner man, soul, your very being, your mind, your strength. What does that leave? Nothing. That means we don't get to have a say. We don't get to have a say. You know, and Paul talks about not yielding our members to unrighteousness, right? Now, let's think about this for a minute. Because he goes on to say, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. If we're busy about our Father's business, if we are focused and busy about yielding ourself to God. And, you know, I know. it's I have to go to work. And I have to give the boss eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. So I have to think about work. I have to do things that require me to to think about my job. And he gave that to me. And I'm not going to neglect that. And He he's allowed for that. But outside of that, and I, y'all, this is not hyperbole. I don't work on that car in my garage unless I feel like God's given me the okay to do it. I don't. Because I don't want it to become a thing that I'm so focused on that I just push God to the side and say, I want to work on my car. It's just sitting there in that garage. I need to get it out on the road. I do. I'd love to this year. And I'm going to. My son's coming. He's going to help me. Hallelujah. He loves doing stuff like that. So he'll be right on it. Right in on it with me. Y'all get to meet Jason in a couple weeks. But I got to I got to stay focused. He didn't bring me up here to work on a car. He told me to come up here to serve him. That's what he said. You will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. Whatever that means. What what did what did what did that mean to Paul when God told him that? He Paul didn't know. And Paul just said, okay. <laughs> what can I say about that experience? Wherever you say you want me to go, I'm going to go there. He had to go through beatings and stonings and all kinds of stuff and shipwrecks. And and people of his own, his own friends were turning on him. His own countrymen. His own brethren. Yet, what did he do? He didn't just say, well, fine then, I'm... Nobody likes me anymore. I'm just going to quit. He didn't do that. He persevered. Because he realized and understood the, the awesomeness of the calling that was on his life. And everything that he ever wanted to do up to that point was all behind him. Forgetting those things what the Bible says which are behind. And pressing toward those things which are before. What are those things he's talking about? Not stuff I want to do. If I'm yielded to him, it's not what I want to do. It's what he wants me to do. It doesn't mean he's never going to let you go on vacation. It doesn't mean that he's not going to let you do some stuff. He knows we got a family. He knows that we got stuff we gotta do. But if I let God run my daytimer, anybody is there anybody in here that doesn't know what a daytimer is? <laughs> Some of you don't, <laughs> man, if you didn't have a daytimer back in the day, you weren't you were nobody certain certain ones were like Franklin Covey and all those It was like if you didn't have a Franklin Covey daytimer, where'd you get that daytimer at Walmart? Now we all do that on our devices, right right <laughs> am I right? I had a Franklin Covey daytimer. they sent me stuff in the mail, and it was I was just I was all that in a bag of chips with my Franklin Covey daytimer because I could keep track of all my stuff. My schedule. But what do you do when God just says, "Throw that out"? I'll determine your schedule. I'll make your schedule. There's preachers I know in this, in this, between the East Coast and West Coast, and in, in Canada and Mexico, that they'll have all kinds of stuff lined up, and God will wake them up one morning and say, "You're not going there. You're not going there. and You're not going there." And they already told the man they were coming, so now they got to call that preacher and say, "I'm not coming." Why not? Because God woke up, woke me up this morning and told me not to. But I got you scheduled. What do you want me to do? Obey God, or what do you do? And if you're an evangelist, that means you're not going to make any money. You think God don't know that? He's going to take care of that. He already thought that through before he told you not to go. <laughs> Unsearchable are His ways we don't understand we can't even begin to understand why all the reason to all the more reason to be a willing sacrifice how awesome is that oh man what are you going to tell me to do today i can't wait i'd love for him to tell me to not go into work a couple of days a week he hasn't done that yet he hasn't done that yet but, that's right. He's going to let me work 5 more years and then I'm going to hang up my spurs. That's right. If the Lord tarries 5 more, less than 5 now, 4 and something. If the Lord wills, that's what the book says. I'll do this or do that, right? Isn't that what the book says. And I say that and they all think I'm joking when I leave work every day. I'll see you tomorrow. Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise and they think I'm joking. But the good good Lord willing part, I'm serious. Because I don't know if people die in their sleep of a heart attack at early ages. All right? I had two friends in the last two years die at 50 years old. One, a good friend of yours and mine, Brother Parker. Not even 50 yet. Hadn't even had his 50th birthday. Died of a massive heart attack. Another friend of mine back in Kentucky. Same thing. Nobody saw it coming. Boom. Like that, he was gone. So we don't know. So all the more reason to yield yourself. James 4, 5 through 7 says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Does does the Scripture say that in vain? The Spirit, what? That's a that's a small s spirit there. What spirit is that? Our human spirit. Uh, James four, five and seven. Five through seven. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy. That's that human spirit, that human will, that that carnal spirit, if you will, that that sin nature in us. We don't mean to. What did Paul say? I don't mean to do it. But I do it. And I try to do the stuff that's right, but I don't. Paul was in a conundrum right there. He's like, Why? Well, because of this. Because we got this sin nature. And guess who knows that? Our enemy. And he don't let up. Just because you got the Holy Ghost, (laughs) he doesn't let up. And every time you think you got him, I got you on that one, devil. He keep You quit trying to come down that road. He'll, he's slick. He'll sneak up on you some other way. He puts little suggestions in your mind and makes it. I heard one preacher say he makes his voice sound like your voice. Can he do that? Maybe. Oh, that's my idea. Yeah, I think I'll do that. You just took ownership of his idea and called it your own, and now it's yours. You know, he did his job. It might, it might not be some mortal sin, as they called it where I came from, but it might just be something simple as disobeying the, the command and voice of God in your life to do what you want. Something simple like that. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. He don't care about all your the exercises of worship that we go through. He wants us. He wants all of us to pay attention to all of Him. Don't look to the right hand or the left. Isn't it what the book says? Keep your eyes right on Him. Right on Him. My eyes are on you. Okay, eyes on. All right, all eyes on me. When, I was, when, they, when the drill instructor was trying to win the, the drilling ceremony in boot camp, all eyes on me. He'd say that all the time, because he wanted us to all be in the same step, going the same direction. When he said right turn march or whatever, he was serious. He was he was <laughs> definitely serious. Kept us out till ten o'clock at night doing that. The only lighted place on the whole base was the tennis courts, and that's where we were every night. He wanted to win that competition, and he didn't care about us. We we get to bed eventually, sometime. <laughs> you know, we all, we all knew we, we could get up at any time, so it's, just take what you can get, I guess. That spirit in us dwelleth to envy, but He giveth more grace. Why does He give more grace? As we know, He knows, He knows. Doesn't the Bible say that that He knows our frame? He knows that we were born in sin. He knows this. He knows that it's not always as easy as we'd like to think it is to be yielded to Him. But like Brother Oggs used to say, used to preach, you got to have a want to. If you don't know who that is, look it up. What was his first name? Alan Oggs. Guy grew up with a, so, such a severe speech impediment that they said he'd never even talk. But when he'd get up to preach, he, he still had a speech impediment when he wasn't behind here. He would stutter and talk to you and stutter. But when he'd get behind this desk and the Holy Ghost came on him, he, would, he wouldn't stutter a, a whit. And he would just, boom. Whatever God was telling him to say, it was like turning a faucet on, turning it off. But he he used to preach that message you got to have a want to I got to want to know what God wants me to do it's got to be more important to you than anything else. Nothing that we own is ours How many of you know that nothing that you own your house your cars your bank account none of it is yours. He's allowing us to be stewards of those things. So we can't let those things become our gods. So hung up on our stuff that we forget that He could just turn around and take it away from us tomorrow. Just like that. Tell me He won't do that. Oh, He only did that for Job. That's the only time He'll ever do that, right? <laughs> You're deceived if you believe that. <laughs> the Lord giveth. What did Job say? The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will we find it easy to say that when the Lord taketh away? I don't know. We won't know till we get there, will we? It wasn't as easy as you think. For We just read over that, but it was probably pretty hard for Job to say that. He had to swallow hard to say that. <laughs> Even his own wife was telling him to curse God. People are going to act funny and act different when stuff is going on in your life than they do when everything's just fine and dandy and normal. How hard was it for Paul to stay focused? Like everywhere he went, they were after him. They followed him everywhere. All the way to Rome, they followed him how much more or less are they going to let up on us? What's going to happen when this world starts coming after the Christians like they already are doing? What are we going to do when we're faced with a decision? you these are things we got to think about am i yielded to god now is not later is not the time to decide if you want to be yielded to god or not now's the time to get yourself in that place so when the, the hard times come you are firm and steadfast in where you stand with god because it's the they're looking the enemy is looking for a weak place in you where you go you know it's i'll serve god but i won't go that far some of us are going to say that that's what the Bible says. If the righteous shall scarcely be saved, then where shall the sinner then sinner where shall the ungod where shall where where, where are we going to stand? Where? Where are we going to stand? It was <laughs> you study the persecution that the church was going through. They were getting I mean bef- before that Jesus even died they were suffering persecution. And what happened to the church in the New Testament that was going through all that persecution? It grew like weeds. And it grew and they couldn't, they couldn't stop it. <clears throat> they were turning the world upside down with this gospel. Are we doing that? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves. Why do we got to, what is all this with this present yourself and yield yourself and submit yourself? Why is Paul saying all this stuff? Why is James saying all this stuff? Why? Why are they telling the church this over and over and over and over again, all kinds of different ways? You think God's trying to send a message through the Holy Ghost, through his, his men that wrote these things? God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves or submit yourselves. That that word submit, submit yourselves means subjugate or place under submission. Total, not partial. Therefore to God, resist or stand firm against the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice in this scripture resist the devil doesn't come first. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God, comes first. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble, comes first. Subjugate yourself. Place yourself under submission, total submission to God, first. Because when you're, like, when you're the kid in school and you're standing next to that guy that's bigger than the bully, that's God. When you stand up to the devil... He ain't going to have no choice. He's going to run because he sees the God behind you, not you. But if, you know, the Bible says that we are hid with Christ in God. We're hid. If you're hid behind God, hid with Christ in God, that's all they're ever going to (laughs) see. When you stand up to the devil, it's like you're putting your arms around God going, Yeah, get out of here, you. Right? If I can put that in sort of a word picture, okay? I'm not trying to diminish God like he's just some guy standing there. But we got to stand firm. If you're, you know, in the battles in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when they won a battle, they didn't just sit down and take a break, go get some lemonade, you, when the enemy's on the run, what do you got to do? You got to chase them. Because what are they going to do if you don't? They're going to go back and regroup. As soon as they won a battle, the enemy turned tail and run. They chased after them till they had the next battle. And then they killed some more of them. Then they turned tail and run. They kept chasing them until they got to the gates of the city. Because that was their ultimate goal. To breach the gates of the city and get the king. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. If we're completely yielded, completely submitted, and subjugated to God, if we have our a place, if we have place uh, in our life under His authority and completely given to uh, given up to our own humanity and authority to Him and His authority, when we stand against the devil, He won't have any choice. The complete word study Bible notes on Romans twelve one has this note regarding that verse. It says it's living and constant sacrifice. It's not a one-time deal. Present your bodies a living, constant sacrifice, as opposed to the intermittent sacrifices of the slaughtered victims, which was the animals that were slaughtered from year to year. See, Paul's making that. he's, He's drawn from his Jewish upbringing an understanding of how the sacrifices went to the the brazen altar. That's why I had this put up here. That was the per- first piece of furniture in the Old Testament salvation plan. Right there was that brazen altar. If I had a, a laser pointer, see those those horns on the corner, on the four corners there. You know why they're there? They were they would tie down sacrifice so that it couldn't flop off of there so Paul was really making reference to that present your bodies a willing sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God those animals had no choice they were chosen by the family and they were kept in a separate pen by the family and they were provided to the priest and the priest put it on there and slaughtered it and burned it and then carried it all forward to the Lord I'm just kind of skipping through all that So that their sins will be pushed back another year. But now he's telling us that I don't need all that anymore. I want you to be the sacrifice. You put yourself on that altar and you tie yourself to those four horns and you leave yourself there. We had a missionary here that preached on that. Staying on the altar. Y'all remember that? So the death of the sacrifice, the animal, the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, the death of the actual animal in the Old Testament meant life for the people that brought it, didn't it? They they got their sins pushed back another year. Another year of living. They, they kept on sinning all year, but at the end of the year they could take that animal there and it was all forgotten. Pushed back another year. But he's telling us, if we will, you know, just like Jesus died, we got to die. Not just to sin, we got to die to self. I got to die to self. Because self does not want God to have a say in my life, does it? self does not want to have the, we don't want to allow God to have a say in our life we want to have a say somewhere because I got this stuff to do God you see you don't understand God I got this to do I got that to do and like he doesn't understand he's asking us to be a willing participant in his will Why did when the disciples asked him how to pray what did he tell them Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. So he already knows what his will is today, for tomorrow, for for the rest of this year and for the rest of the millennium. He already knows what his will is. and In God's mind, it's already done. So he, he told them to pray, whatever I've already done, you pray that it is accomplished on the earth through you. That's why he told them to pray that. Lord, let your will be done, not mine. It's implied. I don't want my will to be done, Lord. I want your will to be done. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart is what? Your inner man. your All of your emotions. All of your everything that we just what we've been talking about. All of your passions and all those things. That's your heart not this thing this ticker right here and lean not unto thine own understanding don't depend on your own understanding because it's limited it's weak in all thy ways in some of thy ways in certain ways that that you pick no, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you this way and right here and right here and right here, God, and the rest of it I'm going to be in control of. Well, you might as well just tell him to just pack, it, pack his bags and baggage and leave because you're just telling him you don't want him part of any of your life. Acknowledge. It says there, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means to know him. It includes mental awareness of who God is and the consequential submission to his lordship. To know him is to obey him. You all have heard this said before. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. We need to remind ourselves of that daily. We need to ask ourselves that when we wake up. Lord, are you Lord of all? If not, I need you to be. And he's not gonna make you say that. He's not gonna make you do that. It's a willing sacrifice, isn't it? You have to be willing to give God all the control of your life and die to yourself. He's not gonna make you just be an automaton and just do robot stuff, you know. He's just he wants he wants to have every say in your life and he's gonna Lead you in ways that you had no idea He was going to lead you. I want you know, look how He used Paul. My goodness. He went from being one of the greatest persecutors of the church to one of the greatest preachers the church ever had. All because of one thing. He died to self. He put all that stuff behind him. All his wants, desires, wishes, dreams, all those things. He put him behind him willingly. The sage Solomon is calling, um, in this verse it says here in, in one um, commentary that I have, it says the sage, which is Solomon, is calling for a life of trust and obedience in which the disciples see the Lord in every event and relies on Him. To acknowledge the Lord in every event means trusting and obeying for Him for guidance and right conduct. You don't know our own hearts. Our hearts are desperately wicked, the Bible says. Who can know it? There's stuff in us, folks, that we don't even know we're capable of that's just down in there somewhere. And all it it takes is just the right set of circumstances. Why do you think God put Job through what he went through? Go read the book of Job. There was something in Job That God had to get out of there. Some little thing hidden way down in there. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, yes, he he did all those things right. And God blessed him and multiplied him. But at the end of the day, there was a little attitude or something down in there in Job that God needed to deal with. And did God know exactly what to do? To deal with Job? (laughs) To get that thing up? He was doing that for Job's good. Not to be mean to Job. Not to put him through all that hell and everything. He was doing that for his good. And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good to them that love God. Do, do we love God in here? And to them who are the called, according to our own purpose. No, according to His purpose. Not my will. Lord, Your will be done. Amen. Let's all stand. Father we thank you. Lord Jesus. I was just I'm just your vessel Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would mold us, continue to work on us, mold us and make us into your image and into your likeness God. We want to be like you Lord. We want we are the clay on the potter's wheel Lord. We are just the clay Lord. We're just old clay pots Lord. And you're the potter. You're the one that's molding us and making us into your image and into your likeness. Lord, let us be pliable in your hands every moment of every day. Don't let us become stiff and stubborn, Lord Jesus, but let us be pliable in your hands, O God. Let us be willing vessels, O God. Let us be willing to lay our life down, to lay down our wants, our desires, our dreams, our needs, O God, for your will. Lord, it's your kingdom, it's your church, it's your people, God. We are your sheep, O God. We are your priests. We are your royal priesthood, your holy nation, your peculiar people, Lord. We are your vessels of honor, Lord, that we would be able to be those vessels of honor for your glory, Lord, that souls would find this truth and find this way, that souls would feel the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Lord, let us be those vessels that you've chosen us to be. Let us, help us to seek after your will every moment of every day, Lord, that we might find your will and do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for coming. Keep our pastor and his wife in prayer. As they're traveling, they went to a graduation up near Eau Claire, that the Lord will keep them and. If they're traveling back tonight, keep all the deer in the woods off the road. In Jesus' name, we'll see you all on Sunday.